asked him who the, all the people were on your wall because I've always looked at those photos and wondered who they were. And it's Carmen Electra next to Stonewall Jackson. And on that note, I want to welcome everyone to the world according to Ben Stein. <laughs> we are joined once again, and he was he was sorely missed, sorely, Very. from American greatness, Ben the Rock Boychuk. Welcome back, Ben. And we missed you very much, sir. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. And of course, from 93.1 WIBC, Ben, the, the conservative talk radio. You totally messed it up. You did great, Ben. Thank you. And of course, from the Media Action Network, the all-star himself, Ken LaCourt. Welcome Excellent. back as always, Ken. Thank you, gentlemen. Excellent voice. Excellent. And right off the bat, I want to welcome everybody that's in the chat room. I want to I say hello. Me, if I may say so. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Levin, for starting it off right away, getting me insecure about the way I say things. Um, but I want to welcome everybody in the chat room. I want to remind everybody that you can download our podcast pretty much wherever podcasts are downloadable. Um, and of course, please leave a five-star review. We have some really exciting news tonight, but of course I didn't welcome the most important man. He's writer, provocateur, actor, saint, sinner, lover, husband, and of course, father, Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein, and America's teacher. And grandfather. And grandfather, America's teacher, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We salute you, sir. I bless you, sir. So right off the bat, I wanna get into this um, thing. Um, Ken, is, that we are working on with Ken LaCourt for Media Action Network, but I wanna bring up, really quickly why this has been bothering me so much the all-star game i know it seems trivial to some um but for me i'll be honest some of my fondest childhood memories and i've shared this with ben stein um you know very similar to his father some of my favorite memories are listening to baseball games on the radio and you know hearing that great call by joe buck when uh kirk gibson hit that home run going, I don't believe what I just saw and having that image in my head. And, and there's something pure about baseball. It's America's pastime. It, um, it, it's, a, it's a sport that celebrates everybody now, thank God. And there's something extremely special about it. And it, it, it really is, everybody's had a catch with their, hopefully with their dad or their child. And there's just something very special maybe about baseball. It's unlike other sports. And um and so I was very hurt by this, and I'm very hurt that baseball has taken on, has been um, Ken and Ben um, inv involved with this with this voter and DLM stuff, Ben Stein, and it's heartbreaking. Uh, as my wife would say, heart rendering. Uh, it is really, really sad. <laughs> Didn't need to happen. Uh, if people wanted to express their unhappiness <laughs> with George's <clears throat> voting. <clears throat> voting laws, which are not at all restrictive, by the way, the Wall Street Journal has done a very thorough analysis of them compared with other states. They're not at all restrictive. Um, people could have chosen another way to do it. But to attack people's means of relaxation, attack people's means of entertainment. Uh, my father, God rest his soul, the greatest of great fathers, used to call baseball the great American anodyne. Uh, anodyne is a painkiller, by which he meant whatever was going on in your daily life, watch a great baseball game, even a mediocre baseball game, because we were in Washington, D.C. We had the senators. They weren't that great. Um, but it takes your mind off everything. Now, suddenly, everything is politicized. Everything is bolshevized. Everything is racialized. And it's a, it's a terribly, terribly sad situation. Ken LaCourt, so let's uh, talk about quickly what we're doing, because uh, with Media Action Hour, the world according to Ben Stein, 
we have started a petition. Can please tell people what it is? What is so it's all started with a guy named Judah. This guy over here. Yes, the consigliere of Ben Stein came up with a gosh darn good idea. And he called me up and he said, so I'm not into sports. It, it's all a bunch of whatever. Guys run around after white ball. But I'm so tired of every time I turn around, my pizza has to be politicized or, or wait, hey, there's not a black person in the cockpit at United Airlines. So, uh, so he, he said a sentence and he was like, there's one man who could who could fix this situation and, and cause some pain to Major League Baseball for being completely stupid on this. And it was obvious what what he was saying at that point. And and so Judah had the idea of, look, let's see if we can convince Donald Trump convince, give him the idea, encourage he's going to do what he what he wants to do to hold a rally in Georgia head to head with the all star game. He would both help Georgians out who are losing millions of dollars worth of this game because they passed some innocuous legislation that the press had decided was, was, uh, you know, it was, it was their racism du jour. It was silly. The, 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 you know, the concept of calling, Oh, you can't, you know, you can't give hamburgers to people in line is, is now Jim, the, the, you know, the modern Jim Crow is ridiculous, but the concept that Trump could go there, he could hold one of those rallies. He could charge money for it and either buy himself another jet or give it to the uh, Republican whatever's in, in Georgia. He would put a pound of flat, you know, it's like Fox would probably pick that up. And so you've got whoever, whoever streams the, uh, the, uh, the all-star game versus, versus Fox and OAN and, and, uh, uh, and, and Newsmax streaming that it would take a bite out of them. It would allow, 50,000 Americans to to say enough is enough at this. And that would be the perfect time to do that. So we popped a petition up. Um, um, uh, we're up to like 4,500 people on, on that. We will use all of our uh, influences. I know a, I don't have any good direct connections in with that, but if we can get him to, to, to do that, it would be a wonderful strike against this cancel culture bullshit, whatever we call it these days. And speaking of people with connections, that brings us to first, Ben Boychuk. Well, Ken, really quickly, could you could you tell people where exactly to find the petition? Yeah, do we have that link up? up? So you can go to mediaactionnetwork.com and you can and you scroll down a little bit after you see a box. Say it slower, slower. Media, you're right, thank you. You know, I, I used to live in New York, so I'm kind of fast talking, fast thinking. I do this for a living, Ken. Say it slow. <laughs> I'll say it in reverse. MediaActionNetwork.com. Scroll down a little bit slowly, and you'll see the very first uh, the very first action item down there is to, to sign up for this. We got a couple other good ideas to get attention. And I think we should have a little bit of a brainstorming session on what could we do to encourage Trump to, to do something like this? Cause I, cause it, I don't think it would be great. It is the perfect move. And, 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 and it was a great idea. Thank you. Um, I wouldn't have thought okay, of it. Well I done have... Judah. I think let's, 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 let's note that Judah is not bragging and that it had to be brought up by somebody else and that Judah did not uh, brag at all. And it is quite a brilliant idea. Thank you. And I, I honestly, this is, you know, I wouldn't have thought of it without Ben Stein. And I wouldn't have thought about it without you, Ken LaCourt, who got me into thinking about punching back against this stuff. But Ben Boychuk, how are you going to help us out? That's the question tonight. 
Well, you know, American greatness does have a, a rather sizable readership, and so uh, certainly we're going to want to promote the uh, want to promote the petition. And uh, you know, it used to be the case that that people in Trump's circle read our stuff, and maybe it'll it'll get to them that way. We'll find out. But well, what uh, are we going to do about Indiana? Ah, <laughs> uh, Robert Kendall. So uh, Judah will be on the Mock and Rob show tomorrow. Time to be determined. He's on the West Coast, so he's going to wake up at like 5 a.m. and tape an interview with me. We're going to play back tomorrow. I think this is an awesome idea. Judah called me a couple days ago and told me about it. I said, I think it's wonderful. Sign me up for it. I'll help promote it any way I can. So tomorrow, at some point between 9 and noon, Judah will be on the Mock and Rob show on 93.1 WIBC bam that's how my dad says it to me now when i walk in the door hey there's rob kendall bam the future <laughs> talk radio and uh i think this is great i think it's i think it's wonderful ben and and, and ben stein and getting back to you it's like we need to figure out as ken is brought up of, of, of ways of counter programming and there is no better way to, for, for i think the, the counter programming than doing something like this we're forcing it upon them well, we're talking about America's number one media personality, certainly in terms of politics, nobody else is even close. Why should not he use that in uh, furtherance of his uh, ideas, many of which are turning out, if not all of which, are turning out to be incredibly important. Uh, to me, uh, it's amazing that every day's newspaper doesn't carry a story saying Trump was right about the southern border, and uh, we're all sorry. Uh, I, I was on an airplane flight across the country yesterday, and I spent the entire, a large part of the time, reading the New York Times cover to cover. And it's all mocking, contemptuous, uh, so-called analysis of everything having to do with Trump. But of course, if you read the stories, if you can find a little tiny bit of news wormed in there among the analysis and the commentary, you see, he was right. The southern border is falling apart. America is being besieged by immigrants, and God bless them. They, they have terrible lives at home. They do need to have help, uh, but some kind of uh, order, some kind of law and order seems to me to be a good idea. That's all Trump wanted. Not a bad idea at all. Uh, by the way, if, if you do read the New York Times cover to cover, uh, make sure you have a, a way to jump out of the plane at 40,000 feet. <laughs> uh, I, these I stories gonna... are such relentless cruel, disgusting contempt for the United States of America and such worshipful praise of any kind of non-white violence uh, against Asians, against whites, against anyone. Uh, it, it is scandalous. It, it has become just a propaganda organ for the most militant elements of the African-American freedom fighter community. And uh, very, very sad, rarely takes the part of the victims of this violence, almost always takes the part of the perpetrators. And Ben, you are the only one I could guarantee almost in this panel that has a subscription to the New York Times. I'm not sure about Ken, um, but I, I, and I would imagine. What? I steal it. Ben Boychick, uh -huh. I'm shocked. I didn't even know that you could get the, the New York Times. I don't, the... I, I don't get it in print anymore, but I, I do. We do I get it in print. And I, uh, like you can go to archive.is. I'm sorry, Sagan. You go to a site called archive.is. It's one of these archivers. So you get a URL from the New York Times and you don't want to spend your 
right. hard-earned money on the New York Times. And you go to that. I can show you how to do it later. Uh, you, you, it says, oh, look for an archived version. You pop it in there and you can read it for free. But I, but I will tell you that I, I, you can't do that. Also, get up and down to go to the men's room on the airplane, which we old people have to do a great deal. Um, but if I may say so, if you were to read that newspaper in detail, as I did yesterday, and I, I have family members who read it in extreme detail, way, way, way beyond what I read it at. And, and they, uh, I, don't, I don't know how they can leave their house each day without being terrified because the stories are uh, depicted in America, which basically the Ku Klux Klan is running everything, except that there are a few brave uh, Afro-American, African-American, or uh, other uh, ethnic groups who are fighting them. But they, they, those groups do have the help of the FBI and the, the, all the politicians. I have a better question for you, Ben. Why? Why do you? Why do you subject yourself to it, knowing what you're going to read? Why? Why not just hit yourself with a hammer? Because I want to be well informed enough to comment on this show. I have a great answer. And I know a lot of you aren't sports fans, but this All Star Game and this the BLM stuff is sort of met, met, a metaphor for what's happening happening to a lot of the things on this panel that we all love separately. So Ken, you might not be a sports fan. Ben, I'm pretty, boy, check, I'm pretty sure you're not a sports fan. Rob, you probably love high school basketball um, <laughs> oh, and, 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 and college basketball. I know Ben the profiling like going on there. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, it, it, but I wanna know from each of you, what, what, what viewing habits have changed because, or listening habits, because Ben Boychuk is a, is a huge music fan, and it's hard to listen to music when Ben Boychuk, if you're the people you grew up listening to, have asinine points of view and scream them sometimes. Well, that's true, except uh, I tend not to pay attention to that. Um, and, and I also tend not to, you know, my, my late father always used to ask, um, you know, in the course of writing columns and things like that, how, how can you do your job without uh, you know, paying attention to what's on the TV news. I said, because I, I read the stuff that, that ends up on the TV news. I, so I don't really, I don't watch, you know, sorry, Ken, I, I, I haven't watched Fox news in probably yeah, 10 years, maybe more. Uh, I don't watch one American news or, or, or Newsmax. I, I tend to avoid televised media, uh, try to read as much as I can, uh, like Ben Stein and, um, you know, pick up information where I can, where I can get it. And, and uh, try to be informed that way. But um, uh, so in, in a sense, my, my media consumption habits haven't changed all that much. Although um, I tend to read less uh, institutional conservative media. I don't really read National Review anymore, for example. I think it's a great magazine, but- It was, it was. It was. I, I think, well, you're right, it was. It, 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 it missed about a certain point. And of course, when Mr. Buckley was editing it, it was extremely beautifully edited and beautifully written. But let's, let, let's, let's, let us take this. I was at the airport in Washington yesterday, uh, Washington National Airport. It's very diverse. A good 50% of the people in the hall and boarding the airplane were non-white, a good 50%. Many of the attendants uh, on the plane were non-white. And yet you would think if you read the New York Times 
that uh, the Ku Klux, as I said, the Ku Klux Klan was running everything in America, and these people somehow were fugitives. They weren't fugitives. There were, many of them were sitting in first class. And I, and I keep thinking there's a reality in America, which is that racial dignity is being applied to everyone in a giant way that is just totally, totally missed by the left-wing media. And uh, it, the, the reality is that America is enjoying a golden, wonderful age of, me, of racial equality and racial opportunity. And, and somehow that's uh, just totally missed. And I, as I say, uh, pe people say to me all the time, why are you out and about so much? And, and I love being out and about, but uh, I, I like to see what's real. The, the princess and the prince discuss what's real and what is not. It doesn't matter outside the gates of Eden. Beautifully said. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to that man, the world according to Ben Stein. I want to thank everybody that's listening in, to you, in the YouTube chat. Remind everybody, get our newsletter at benstein.substack.com. Um, also download the podcast. But it's really important tonight that we get this message out. We do it collectively. You're going to find this on American Greatness with amgreatness.com. You're going to find this on Ken Look at LaCourt News or a mediaactionnetwork.com. You're going to find this on Ben's parlor at Ben, at Ben Stein on parlor. And hopefully Ben will write something great for the American spectator, spectator.org. I really, that's my main outlet. I mean, they're, they're my super pals, except for you, Drew. They're, they're my main outlet. They're my super pals. I love them beyond words. And of course, Rob Kendall from 93 Run. Bam! Bam! I have a question. My dad yeah. used to bam me a lot, but it wasn't That's quite a bam. Let's all go. Yeah, I have a question for this group because I think it's important. And Jude, I'm going to ask you this tomorrow because it's one thing I found is when people people are more apt to have buy-in when they know what they're working towards. So, like, just saying we're going to try to get Trump to do this, people go, oh, "Okay, that's nice." I've got Trump to do an interview before. I know how hard it is to get Trump to do something. Do we have an idea of what sort of number of signatures you're going to need to draw his attention? Like, because I had something to offer him, which was media time in a primary that he needed to win in an area he needed to win. So like, he, of course, he was going to do it, right? Because he was told this guy is influential. How many signatures do you think we need on this thing before Trump goes, okay, that's interesting? It's hard to answer the number. I mean, maybe over 10,000, but you need enough so that a oh, couple way over 10,000. Yeah, but you need a, you need enough to really the answer is you need enough to have a couple publications in the conservosphere to say, hey, this is kind of a cute thing. And one of the 16 guys that he has working for him printed it out and walk in and say, hey, look, this is happening there. I'm not sure if it's it, that's a hard, hard number to answer. How, uh, uh, But but, you know, it needs to look. It's patently such a good idea that I think that there, you know, every person I've mentioned to is like, oh my gosh, that's great, and and I, I think the second guy who walks into his uh, his tanning salon in Boca Raton or wherever he is and says, Mr. Trump, this is getting a little steam, it'll be like, huh? I mean, obviously, look, it's a real deal for them to do something like that, but he's probably still has the mechanism in, in place probably still has the campaign guys there who threw, you know, 30 of these huge things before he's got a couple months to do it. And it's such a win-win all around for him, unless he's got an overall, I want to stay out of the limelight. He's obviously been intentionally quiet for a while. Um, um, I suspect he's just sharpening his, his swords and he's, he's going to come back. I, I suggest, I'm sorry. 
I think he's probably pretty damn tired, but I think he's the kind of person who would wake up from the thrill of combat. I mean, he is the ultimate Rocky. It's the thrill of the combat as what, or whatever Sylvester Stallone, who went to the same junior high school as I did. And it's a, uh, I think- At the same thrill, time? Yes, he and I are the same age. Amazing. I think he might be a year older. And they Goldie used to, they used to box. They used and to Goldie box. Goldie Hawn too. Goldie Hawn too. Yeah. Anyway. Wait, uh, really? Yeah. Damn. I, what did they put me? What they put the water time? in that junior high? What did you say? Goldie Hawn, Ben Stein, and Sylvester Stallone. And also, at, uh, also uh, ideologically not exactly a close kin, but a, a very close friend, Carl Bernstein. So there you are. Wait, wait, let's get back. Wait, let's wait, wait a second, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, and then I, I promise let you get back to it. Are you telling me, Ben, that like at the same time, Ben Stein, Sylvester Stallone, Goldie Hawn, and Carl Bernstein were all at the same junior high school? Uh, Carl, uh, I don't think Goldie was at the same junior high. She went to one, uh, actually, that my sister went to and was a cheerleader at called Eastern Junior High. But uh, we, uh, we, but Carl uh, and uh, Sly and uh, I were all in, in junior high together. And Montgomery Hills Junior High, the worst place in the world. I want to get to Ben Boychuk, though, and your question, because a lot of American greatness's stuff was coinciding with Trump's rise, if, if that's a good way of saying it, Ben Boychuk. Right. So, yeah, um, American greatness started in, in 2016, um, right around the time he had uh, secured his nomination. But, um, you know, we've had uh, our readership grow uh, enormously. Uh, in the past four years and, um, and still going great. And so, you know, publications like ours that are very attuned to, um, you know, the uh, sort of conservative populism that, that uh, President Trump helped foster, um, you know, we're, I, I think this would be something that, that our readers would be interested in. And, and, and I, you know, we've had several pieces this week too, just on, um, the, you know, this, this is really kind of a, a almost suicidal move by Major League Baseball, uh, because among other things, it, it invites scrutiny from Congress. You know, they, they're, they're tax exempt, they're, they're, and they're exempt from uh, antitrust laws. Um, and by the way, I think the whole idea of scrutinizing people on the basis of racial inclusion or racial exclusion is, is just scratching the surface. I would love to know how many members of the Democrat caucus in in the Congress are members of the Chevy Chase Club. Now, that's a very fancy club on Connecticut Avenue in Washington, D.C. At least when I was growing up, no Jews, Jews, Jude Rouse. Uh, I think they might have one or two Jews now, not many. Uh, there's a club right near us in uh, the desert uh, called El Dorado a very powerful corporate chieftains, no Jews, uh, no They wouldn't let me in, go figure. What? It, it, they wouldn't let me in, it had nothing to do with, I, I couldn't afford I, I, it. This was, and one of the members was an old friend of my wife's father. And uh, so she pr proposed uh, Alex and me for membership. And uh, Alex is my beloved bride. And uh, they, and uh, they, we were seconded by like 10 people. And then we were vetoed, blackballed, by some people uh, from LA and uh, when, and they called to tell me and I said, that, may I ask why? I mean, you guys 
solicited me to join. I didn't, I didn't ask to join. You solicited me to join. And they said, well, we, we don't take people in entertainment. And I said, you mean you would not have taken Ronald Reagan? And that was just, just hilarious. Just hilarious. That, that is a very funny story. But Ken, actually, you ran a story today, which a lot of people, I didn't see it covered anywhere else but La Court News. I could be wrong, Ben Boychuk, where, where basically Major League Baseball was threatened by the media that if they didn't um, uh, capitulate, they would uh, go after the players. Yeah, it's a nice baseball field you got there. Wouldn't want something to happen to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But look, here, here's the thing, though. I, the reason why this is successful is because only one side is playing this game. And it's only the little weenies on Twitter being like, and once we start poking them back in the eye a couple times, and once they start seeing a conservative backlash to some of this, then at least that enters into their calculus. I mean, right now, if you're sitting up at the at the, you know, the the penthouse of wherever the baseball people sit and, and talk about baseball things, you say, oh, we're getting a lot of pushback from this and that. Okay, well, let's just screw it. Let's let's do all this and that. And you know, it's probably Trump and he was horrible and all, all of this stuff. But if we have a handful or more than a handful of successful counterpunches back to the throat and makes their eyes water a little bit, then at least the next guys when they're in that meeting and, and, you know, AOC is like, I'm never going to go to a baseball game again. They say, okay, let's look at this in context. And the, the reality is over the last 10 years, one side has been aggressively fighting and the other side has been like, let me put down my Earl Grey tea and let's discuss this. And that just hasn't worked for us. And, and Matt, Matt, We're losing Matt. our culture because of it. Uh, man, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It's all no, you. I was going to say, we we have this in, very interesting thing that Judah and I, and I believe Mr. Mr. Kendall and I have discussed, which is the people who are pressuring Major League Baseball to move the game, uh, executives of corporations, public corporations owned by the public, not owned by the management, owned by the public. We don't know if the public was consulted at all. They're the owners. The management are the trustees for the owners. The owners are the fiduciary beneficiaries. They should have been consulted. They should have been at a vote. None of that happened. The management acted like they owned the company and they don't. This is the basis for a lot of class action litigation. And I, should, I think there should be class action litigation about this. What will the effects on the management be? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, even if the even if the company doesn't lose one penny by moving and insisting on moving, still the management has badly mistreated the stockholders. That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, and, and can, can I follow up on that real fast? Because the Masters is going on right now, and they tried to pressure the Masters, which is in Georgia, and the Masters said, "That's nice. Your complaint will be ignored in the order in which it was received." And that I watched 12 hours of that golf tournament today. My radio show was terrible because I was paying attention to that instead of the show. And people were there. Every person, uh, it was limited capacity. But as always, you couldn't get a ticket. The ratings are going to be huge for TV. I don't know why these sports organizations listen to these, these people 
who push this narrative because as we're seeing, once again, record numbers of people are going to watch golf because people are tired of politics and golf stays out of politics. I could almost because guarantee the I, I could almost guarantee you one thing. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, whether you like I hate the Cowboys, whether you love him or hate him, built the, his own stadium with his own money. I could guarantee you as he's watching this crap going on in football, he's sitting there thinking what Ben's thinking. I want to sue, but I'm involved. So I can't really sue myself right now. But Jerry Jones must be sitting there thinking, I've invested billions of dollars and I've had my stadium closed for the last year and all of this stuff. And he might, and, and, and I don't think it's from the owners. I, think, I, 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 I don't know where it's coming from other than Rob Manfred, however you pronounce his name, the commissioner is a total jackass. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he conferred, you know, got together with the owners. To be honest with you, I, I I'd like to know what clubs he belongs to, and I'd like to know what neighborhood he lives in. And uh, I think that would be a good start on him. I mean, if you want to start uh, playing the game, let's uh, have whatever detective agency or uh, investigators uh, are available, and there are plenty. Uh, look into what what clubs these guys are members of. I know year, years and years ago. When wifey and I used to have uh, lunch or dinner, rather, at the El Dorado in, uh, down in Indian Wells in the desert with, with this very, very nice woman who was a member. And I would look at the list of members and they're gigantic big wheels in corporate America. Many of them were politicians. And this club was so restricted, it was insane. And uh, why is anyone looking at that? Why, why is anyone looking at the Chevy Chase Club? I mean, why, the, these are gaping errors in consistency of judgment about exclusivity and diversity. Gaping. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to That Man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. I want to thank everybody that's live in the YouTube chat. Uh, chat away. We enjoy it. Thank you. Don't forget to download our podcast, wherever podcasts, and don't forget to give that five-star review. You could also get Ben's email, benstein.substack.com. We have something extremely important tonight that we're discussing, um, not because I came up with it, um, but we are discussing this petition um, with, that's on the Media Action Network right now, mediaactionnetwork.com. That's mediaactionnetwork.com. Sign the petition, show your support. Ben Boychuk from American Greatness is here tonight. Welcome back. We miss you, Ben. Um, uh, you, you're also hopefully going to be, and I will be on Rob's show tomorrow, 93.1. Is that, wait a second, Bam. is that the future of conservative talk radio? Yes, I was waiting for you guys to, uh, and, and, and this is the next question I want to ask you guys, because we were all, obviously some of you aren't sports fans. Ken, when you were young, you weren't a sports fan? Okay, so Ben Boychuk and uh, everybody got him like with the worst crowd of non-sports fans. But when, know, when you were is, young, when you were nine, when you were 11 or 10 or 11 or 12 years old, remember you'd be in school, Rob, and it didn't matter. You could debate bands with your friends, right? You'd debate what if you liked Elton John or Billy Joel more. You'd debate if you, if you were a Yankee fan or a Met fan. You didn't think about, you didn't have to be inundated or, um, by, by this mass Ben Stein culture being preached upon nine-year-old children being indoctrinated. And right. I mean, I, I, are nine-year-old kids right now like, you know, discussing who to trade or do they go, you can't trade him because he's black, you I know? know but, but it reminds me a lot. Well, well, let me back up a moment. Wifey and I almost every night watch documentaries about uh, World War II. 
and I have various close friends. I try to teach about World War II. It is fascinating to watch about the Nazi propagandizing of German children and what they taught them and taught, taught them who to hate. See, in America, we were indoctrinated too. I mean, I, I, my sister and I went to a wonderful, 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 really wonderful elementary school called Parkside Elementary School. It's just a glorious place. And we were taught to be very, very proud of being Americans. Very proud. And, and things were great. Now, true, things were not great. The school was segregated and there was only one black person on the campus and his name was Willie and he was a janitor and he was an incredibly good janitor and a very nice man and had been a soldier for the United States of America. That was outrageous that the black people were not allowed in. But we were taught we had, the country had problems and inconsistencies, but it was still the best, last best hope of mankind. And it still is. Let's indoctrinate a young Americans on the idea. We are the greatest. We can be better. We can be better. We can be better and we will be better, but we do not want to be ordered around. And if I may go on just for a few more seconds, our someone I worship, I know that uh, know that the Jew doesn't is a commentator on Fox News. He has been going out, out all over the place against the Justice Department for their prosecution, persecution of the people who strolled around the Capitol on January 6th. They didn't <clears throat> attack anybody. They didn't shoot anybody. Their doors were open. They didn't break through barricades. They didn't knock out glass doors. And uh, they're being prosecuted as if they were killers, as if they were a, a group of mad killers. And many of them have been in prison now for months without any specific charges being leveled against them. This is really a terrifying situation in a democracy. Not supposed to happen. The Constitution has just been thrown away by the uh, Biden Justice Department in terms of these these men and women. And, and I, I, I agree, by the way, it is not a good idea for these people to go walking around half naked in the Capitol. But they should have due process. That's the whole meaning of the Constitution. They should have due process. Where is their due process? Where you, know, you, 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 you bring up a great point. But Ben Boychuk, I want to get back to that point a little bit about, you know, when we were growing up, the arguments that we, I'm sure you were arguing with your friends over who are your favorite bands, who are this, who are that, you know, normal conversations for children to have. And I really do wonder if they're having these dialogues today, you know, where it was just as simple as what was on TV last night? Who's your favorite athlete? Do you love that singer? Is this going on or have we just lost our minds? Yeah, well, you touched on, you touched on something uh, a minute ago that I thought was really salient um there is a the culture is so highly racialized so on 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 easter sunday uh my daughter wanted to watch uh this movie called hop which is about the easter bunny it came out in 2011 and um my son who's normally pretty sensible about this sort of thing there's this whole subplot with it where the 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 uh worker chicks you know like baby chickens chicks lead a, a coup d'etat against the Easter Bunny. And my son was looking at this and he goes, that's awfully racist against the chicks. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> if anything, it's not racist, it's speciesist. <laughs> but, but, you know, that it even, it, it never would have occurred to me to make such an observation. But 
but uh, the generation coming of age has been so steeped in it um, that it's almost inescapable. Well, you know, Ben made the point of, and, and, and this comes down to how does a society propagate its values from generation to generation? And, and we are at a tricky point in America right now. How does a society do that? They do it through the educational establishment. We do it through, obviously, people and, and, and your parents. And, and certainly when there was a three-generation household living together, as we did 100 years ago, where the grandparents lived with the parents, lived with the kids, that was also a propagation of values. And, and the value, you know, and entertainment is a way to propagate values. And you look at the entertainment that I grew up on. You look at Mayberry RFD with a little kid would lie and then he'd get in trouble and his dad would tell him, don't lie, because it'll make your life worse, even though it feels better in the, in the moment. Or the kid would steal something or the drunk would do. And you look at the values that they are getting now through entertainment. And those are very, very different. They're not what Ben said, we are the greatest company whose country who has fed and freed more people than any country that's ever existed on the world. Instead, it's Abraham Lincoln was a racist and everybody sucks and this and that. And our fight so needs to be in those upstream battles to help propagate what it means to be an American, the things that keep us tight in together, the things that made our society rise up higher than any society on the world in the history of humanity. I mean, we are at that point. We are at the apex of that. And, and that is being torn down to a generation who's being taught a lot of different things. And, and that's what we need to fight against more so than anything that's happening in, in the Senate today. Especially, I think we need to fight against the notion that this is a racist country. Back up. Yes, certainly it was. There's no doubt about it. Samuel Johnson, great, great genius, super genius, said is it not, a long time ago at the time the Declaration of Independence was being written roughly at that time, not exactly at that time. Is it not amazing, said Samuel Johnson, that the greatest criers of freedom are the drivers of slaves? And that's a very good point. This country was fundamentally founded on a terrible, terrible, terrible sin of racism and human slavery. It was fundamentally horrible. A war was fought to free these slaves. Never ever in the course of human history has any master race, and I put that in quotes, uh, fought and lost 600 or more thousand of, of themselves to free the lower, lower rated in terms of political and civil rights race. It's never happened before. Why is nobody ever giving America credit for that? Yes, the slavery was horrifying, but the fact that people died all over the country and blood-soaked fields all over the country, to free these slaves, that was a miracle of human decency. We never get any credit for it. As the resident sports expert of the world, according to Ben Stein, can I weigh in on this? Yes, please. Yes, please. So we had this conversation Monday before the national championship game, because on Saturday night, there was an incredible game between Gonzaga and UCLA. You're talking baseball? Yes, yes. It's the large baseball, the big orange, large the baseball. Orange basketball. Thank you. So it took place, took place here in Indianapolis. The national game. Okay. Gonzaga is this undefeated team. It, the UCLA barely gets in the tournament. It goes, this is the final four. It goes to overtime. Guy hits this incredible bank shot to, to win the, the, you know, the, the game in overtime. 
And you know, it was arguably the greatest big game ever played in college basketball history. And we started talking about how memories have been diluted because of social media. Like it used to be, if you watched a basketball game 35 years ago, you could tell that story for 35 years based on your memories. It was your story, where you were, who you were with, how you felt at the time. And now I don't think people have that anymore because immediately they get on their phones and they go to social media and they look at what other people are saying about these events. So your memories almost get collided with everybody else's memories and you lose the specialness of the moment. And we're saying that I think that's true with social media now in terms of politics and everything else where your own free thought gets so smashed into everybody else's thoughts that it's almost like the independence and specialness of what you see and believe is diluted now and, and, and knocked down by everybody else. That's a, a brilliant psychological observation and I, my hat's off to you. Thank you very much. I, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play that tomorrow on the air, Ben, that you said that's brilliant. <laughs> I will, what time I is your show on? I'll go on and tell you, it's brilliant. <laughs> 9 a.m. to noon, but I want to go back to what Ben Boychuk was saying, Ben. I got what when your son said this, I know you were in shock, but um, I, I, I don't think you ever in your wildest dreams thought your son would be dissecting. I mean, and he's what 18, 17? 18, we'll be 19 shortly. What's he I mean, dissecting? And he's a great. <laughs> And he's a great and wonderful kid. And and I, I it, did it frighten you that that's what <laughs> that he was thinking about that movie? No, it wasn't frightening. It was it was a little bit irritating, <laughs> you know, because he's gen- like he generally is pretty sensible about this sort of stuff, and and I just kind of thought, cut the shit, man. You know, I I don't what what is this nonsense you're peddling in my presence? Um, you know, it's first of all, it's a silly animated film for crying out loud. Um, not everything you have to impose a, a, a you know, a, a template upon and, uh, you know, get over it. it was really you just raised a great point, though, Ben Benstein. I want to get this to everybody. Isn't there like to all these people that are imposing this on us? Aren't there just people around them or do they have no self-awareness or is there nobody walking up to them going, cut the shit? Just stop annoying us. You are, you are, you are, you are boorish, Ben Stein. I mean, is there nobody that is saying that to these people or do they just live in one echo chamber? No, there's no there, there, one echo chamber. I, I had a very, very close friend, very, very, very close friend from college. Wonderful guy, super smart guy. Now a law professor at a fine school. Uh, and uh, I was, he, he and I were discussing uh, various things about the, uh, race and crime and the uh, Trump. And uh, I said, <clears throat> how many people on your, in your circle of friends in the law school faculty would agree with anything I'm saying? Or, and you, and you are saying to me in strict confidence. And he said, none, absolutely none. Another friend who had been a very close friend of my wife and mine at Yale uh, is, is now also a law, law teacher. And I, I, we, we were, were writing a long time ago about Trump, and uh, he he said he, he said I want you to know before I write a single other word on on the computer that I disagree with everything you stand for. And I thought, well, what does that mean? I mean, we both what what can I mean? Everything I stand for? Do you disagree with the need that I have to take a whole bunch of laxatives every night? I mean, do, do, do you disagree 
for the fact that, that I like uh, I disagree with that. I like uh, uh, scrambled eggs. And what, what are you talking about? But the point is, he had to be sure that in case Berea was listening uh, through the uh, KGB or the NKVD of those days, that he would not get uh, sent off to Lubyanka. I mean, he, that is how strict a discipline is on the left against us uh, troublemakers. And, and, and Judah, by the way, the other day made a point which should be echoed every single day, that now we who love America, praise America, who think America is the greatest and, and have ha our lives have been benefited unbelievably by being Americans, we are the outsiders. We are the ones who are being sneered at and, and spat upon by the beautiful people. But it also means it also means we're the counterculture, so we're going to get the hippie chicks. <laughs> well, you're young. I, I, that's not part of my life. Hopefully, hey, that's how. Hopefully, wifey, the hippie, wifey, you give her one of those headbands. Come on, you can. You can hopefully, the hippie it. chick has changed a little bit. Um, and if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to that man, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We I love watching and reading what you guys are chatting about. Um, even if it's totally off topic, it's greatly appreciated. I want to thank everybody that's been downloading the podcast. It's been great. And remember, go to benstein.substack.com um, for we send out emails three times a week. Of mm -hmm. course, Ken, subscribe to Media Action Network. Go to Ben Boychik's site, which is amgreatness.com or American Greatness. And of course, listen to Rob every day, six days a week on 93.1. Bam. Bam. The and future listen to Judah tomorrow. Tomorrow, Judah's going to be on the show. I, I might be the most self-effect. Like, uh, 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 thank you. Um, but because um, I... It, I think this is just an important thing to do. It, for me, the, these things are just doing what we're doing is just really important. It doesn't matter if our names are out there or whatever. I just think it's very important. And people that say this isn't about sports. Sports has always been the great equalizer. Sports has been, you know, if you look at the Olympics, if you look at all sports, it was always the one thing nations shared in common. And it, at, at the end of wars, You'd, we were able to be, we knew, if you look at who are still at odds with Ben Stein, certain countries, they were countries that never really entered the, the, the stream of sporting, of, of sports, whether it's, I don't believe Iran has entered the Olympics, but with Russia, I think they, they were, did. I think actually they're very, very good wrestlers. Um, well, grapplers, definitely. Um, but um, Russians, as as bad as it ever got, and this, and when Carter boycotted the Rus the Russian games, when the when the when when the Cold War was over, we had been in the playing field with them. They were an enemy, but we knew them. We they were still human to us, and I, I really believe that sports has always been the great sort of human equalizer. And Ben Stein, we've lost that. We've lost that. Well, we're losing. I don't know if we've lost it completely, but we're rapidly losing it. Well, let, let's face this horrible, sad fact. The media and their bosses in the Democrat Party or their colleagues are about dividing America. I am a great, uh, considering my age and weight, a great student of the Civil War. Clearly, at the beginning of the Civil War, there are a lot of people in newspapers, uh, that is, that's pretty much it in terms of media, who were clearly stirring up division. They wanted to, they wanted the union to be dissolved. They wanted for there to be a war. Uh, I think we have people 
in the media today who want America to be divided against against themselves, and I think they want a civil war. As I as I read the New York Times yesterday, uh, in a state of extreme sorrow and panic, um, which I, I guess is really my standard state. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I I said I, I said to myself, these guys really want something to be the equivalent of the firing on Fort Sumter. They really want there to be a precipitating event which will divide this nation along racial lines so starkly and so violently that there will be war. And I think, by the way, in a way, it's already started. I think last summer's riots and disturbances, killings, arson, where the people who did it largely got away with it, I think in a way that was firing the first shot in the Civil War. And, and, and the fact that those people did all these violent things and were basically praised for it by a large part of the media. Uh, and while, while these poor guys who were wandering around the Capitol not doing a thing except sucking their thumbs, they're being pun threatened with life imprisonment. There, there's some kind of uh, war going on there. Yeah, but, but to Ben's point, real, real fast if I can, we let last Tuesday when I was on with you guys, we laid out the story about the Malik Muhammad guy here in Indianapolis who led that angry- That is an incredible story. To the governor's mansion, threatening to storm the governor's mansion on the, on the news saying, I went there expecting to die. And within days, he's meeting with the governor in a VIP meeting, a, a Republican governor in a VIP meeting with him and the first lady. And then three months later, he's in Portland and has now been arrested for attempting to kill police officers back in September and October of last year. So it's, who do we even turn to to trust when the Republicans are giving VIP treatment to lunatics? Well, that why is- did, a, Why did he do that? Yeah, why, because he's weak cool and he's woke. Well, I'm sorry. He's weak and he's woke and, and he was- that's a, great, that's a great bumper sticker. He's weak and woke. And Rob, if you don't make that as a bumper, that's an <laughs> weak. He's weak and woke. But I want to ask, I want to get to Ken and Ben Boycha quickly because Ken, one of the things I always loved on Fox News, I always loved it in the past, I should say, was, I mean, everybody loves to talk about the beauty of Roger Ailes, and it was just beautiful, but what he did really well was he allowed the other side to be heard too. So every segment you'd almost watch, there would be a Democrat and a Republican. I don't care what network, other network you're watching, you don't hear that, except for Fox News. And I always loved listening to Hannity and Combs because I, I, I didn't agree with Alan Combs, but he was a human being and he, he, he made it okay to disagree and be on the other side and still hug afterwards. Ken. Look, we always viewed ourselves as being 15 degrees to the right of center. We, we never viewed ourselves when I was there for 20 years of, of being like the conservative, whatever, we, we never were like, there were never in, in, in any kind of editorial meeting that I was at. And I was within, I was with Roger Ailes twice a day in editorial meetings and senior staff. And it was never elect this guy or do something. It was about give them their fair point of view. And, 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 and yeah, I mean, eventually it was like, you know, look, there was no accident that Hannity was better looking than Combs. You know, Roger once said, he said, there's one show in America, in the history of America, where the conservative was better looking than the liberal. Have you ever seen that before? And he was right. So, I mean, look, we had our thumb on the scale a little bit because we needed to be about 15 degrees to the right of center, but that's where the audience was. I mean, the audience 
isn't all out on the far right or far left. They're kind of in the middle. It's like a bell curve in America. And the media was on the left side of the bell curve. And we just needed to be a little bit on the right side of that just by just again, probably, you know, he, he used to, he used to use the analogy of, of the, uh, of the Apollo missions coming back to earth. You come in at too, too steep of a, of a, of a, of an angle, you burn up on reentry, you come up too shallow, you skip off the atmosphere and, and, and you go forever. We knew that if we went too far to the right, it would create problems with the advertisers and, and just push us too far over. We were just a hair to the, to the right. And we discovered a, a great niche in America, which was half of the country. And, and it worked okay. And it really, did it brilliantly. More than okay. More than okay. And, then, and now I think Newsmax is trying to hit them. They don't, they're still a startup, really, really in many ways. Sure. Somebody, I hope, will be hitting them. But I mean, you know, it was, it's really interesting from 1932, 33 to 1953, we had all Democrat White Houses. And people thought that was the way it was going to be forever. And then along came Dwight Eisenhower, and we had a Republican eight years. And had there not been wild cheating in 1960, we would have had more Republicans. But uh, so, so things can change. We need to find a wonderful person to be a candidate. We, there are, I think the, great, the data is pretty overwhelming at this point that Americans are very worried about the border. They're very, very worried about tremendous, tremendous deficit spending. Uh, let's find a leader who will get who will get, who get to mobilize and get the country moving. They're very, very worried about racialization of America. This country is supposed to be about treating people equally, not about giving preference to people. Yes, absolutely. If people are poor and broke and intelligent and don't have any money in their family to go to school, of course, I believe the government and the taxpayers should help them without question. But to have an, an ongoing system where one race is favored over another, that, at least to me, is not America. So in Oakland, in, in Oakland, we recently had the mayor stand up and say, I'm now promoting this program that is going to give a quasi uh, $500 a month or, or, or some types of thing to poor people in Oakland, as long as they are black, brown, yellow, any other color except white. Um, well, there are, are no poor whites in Oakland, let's face it. Yeah, there actually are. There's a lot of poor whites. <laughs> I, I know that was a joke. I mean, whites are kind of, they're like 35% of that city. I mean, it's a minority of, of that city. There's a lot of working class or sub-working class people. And so part of me now, then now they've kind of like, they changed their website. You guys maybe talked about this last week because I wasn't around last week because my son was visiting. And, and and I was thinking, and I'm gonna let I want to ask you guys if this was a smart thing, because it, it's a quasi-racist move. I was thinking, so I've I've got a I've got a car that's used, but it's a pretty nice Mercedes that's been sitting out in my driveway for a long time, and I haven't haven't written uh, haven't driven it in a while. I was thinking of saying I'm going to give this as a lottery to anybody in Oakland, as long as they're poor, mm -hmm. and as long as they're white. Because the only the only poor group who's excluded by this private public partnership, kind of a racist thing, but obviously trying to make a point. Would that have been a smart thing, or would that have been elitist and and racist? I think it's a great thing to do, and I, I the racialization of this country terrifies me. I have been a fighter for equal rights for African Americans all of my life, and I still am. I work with black people almost every day. 
I hope I treat them as well as they treat me. Uh, that's where I think we want to be. I don't think we want to be on the side of promoting one race above another that is not going to get us anywhere. And it's not going to get them anywhere. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, as Ferris Bueller might have said, I'm not black. I'm never going to be black. But I think it's incredibly insulting to tell black people they cannot get ahead unless they are favored. And just so you know, I have a little yurt in Oakland. Um, and I have about a thousand, uh, I will get a thousand lottery tickets. Um, ben Boychik, you guys seem to be very fair and balanced. I don't always agree with everything that's said on American greatness, but you take different points of views. And it's so bizarre that it's conservative sites that often do this way more, not even way more, a hundred thousand times more than any liberal site out there. Well, I think we're fair. I don't think we're very balanced. Um, I don't. <laughs> I was trying I, I, well, I don't think we're very balanced. I think we, and I, I do think that uh, if, I mean, the one thing we have tried to do um, to, uh, to with limited success is we have tried to kind of fill the role that National Review uh, fulfilled back in the 50s and 60s, where, you know, you had a lot of really interesting debates on the right, um, you know, hashing out questions that were relevant at the time. And, and the questions that are most relevant right now, uh, you know, and sort of a, a post, whether it's, whether it's a post-Trump era or, a, or a, a Trump interregnum, I don't know what you want to call it, but with, with, um, with a resurgence of, of kind of nationalism and populism and how that fits within, um, you know, American conservatism generally. I mean, we have arguments internally about whether we should even call ourselves conservative because um, what, you know, the conservative movement as, as we see it today uh, has really not conserved very much and uh, has really kind of failed uh, to, to advance any of the sorts of, uh, you know, the agendas that, that they claim to find important. I mean, there's a reason that my friend Michael Anton in, in 2016 wrote the Flight 93 election. And what he was really talking about, I mean, the point that a lot of people miss from that piece is that if conservatives in the, you know, in the context of Trump's election and, and, and the, you know, the angst about, about electing that guy, and he made the very simple point if conservatives believe everything that they've been saying for the past 30 or 40 years about uh, the urgency of the culture war, then what choice do you have? Um, because to go the other direction, Hillary Clinton would be to assure complete defeat. And um, so we've been trying to we've been trying to be a place where we can hash out arguments along those lines, but. Um, well, that's a very, Ben, you raise it, Boychuk, that's an exceptionally extraordinary point that, that came on too late with the never Trumpers, with people that were, they, 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 got, they got together at this time, you know, in some ways, way too late. They should have been there. The Ben Shapiro wasn't a full Trump supporter. It drives me up a fucking, excuse my language, wall. You have this observant Jew that Trump did everything for Israel, everything, that alone should have been Ben Shapiro's sig signaling to support this guy. This guy did more for Middle East peace than any president has done. Deb Nixon. It's, it's, and I knew you were going to say that since and Nixon. And Jimmy Carter. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> even Jimmy Carter. handshake. Come on. Way, I, think even, there. <laughs> I think even Jimmy Carter came out from his Habitat of Humanity and said that um, the, the Major League Baseball, the All-Star Game was a terrible idea. But we are running out of time, and I really just want to push this one more time. I want to thank everybody that's been listening in chat. I want to thank everybody for their contributions. Um, it means the world to us. Don't forget to download the podcast. Even if you listen to the show, it helps us out greatly. Um, and we are going to send this, send this out, send this out to people, email it to people, take their phones and, 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 and get, and get them to, to, to sign this petition. This isn't just about a baseball game. You know, I was just thinking one of my favorite movies is Field of Dreams. And it's about it's not really about baseball. It's about a father and son having a catch. And and it, it's that's and, beautiful. And and, and it's it, it, and that to me is what this they've taken up from us. They've taken the father and son having a catch. And I'm convinced that if we could get this thing going in Georgia, if you build it to quote James Earl Jones, if you build it, Ray, they will come. People will come. And I'm convinced 400,000 strong Trump supporters We'll go to Washington civilly and be there because that's what they are. And I want to thank everybody. Ben Boychuk, tell people where they could find you. Oh, uh, you can find us at American Greatness, www.amgreatness.com. You guys too cheap to get the whole word? <laughs> Why is it am greatness? I, it took me I, like three you really times. Know? What, what is this? Is this like a, is this like an Amway product? What the uh, we somebody else has it and uh, bastards. Maybe we could do a GoFundMe or something. Right, it's cool. It, it's, it's cool. It's okay, Ken. Place. Tell people where they could find you. Uh, Media Action Network. Media Action Network. MediaActionNetwork.com. Thank you, hey. Robert. And I, suggest, I suggest everybody go there. It, his stuff is great on Parlor. Go get his stuff. And of course, you can find Rob Kendall six days a week on 93.1. WIBC. Bam. The WIBC. future of conservative. Judah will be on tomorrow. Tomorrow. And, I will talk to you in nine hours, Judah. And of course, last but not least, Ben, you are truly a teacher. You are truly um, America's professor. You have taught generations of people through all the work you've done. And, and, and I mean that when I came up with this idea, this is 18 years of me talking to you. Um, and I, I don't really say that, like, I don't say that lightly. So as the idea comes to my head, it's coming through your head and um, you can find Ben at spectator.org, but also on, on parlor at Ben Stein, Ben sing us out tonight. We shall overcome. We shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. And we are the rebels, we are the fighters for freedom. And if you ask what is a conservative, a conservative is someone who wants to preserve the extremely basic principle that human beings have rights under the Constitution and they share, they're sacred. And I thought you were going to say this is brilliantly said, Ben. And I thought you were going to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but that's for another time. 
That's actually when we when when this thing gets to Trump, we sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" and we stand and sing the national anthem together. And I want to thank everybody again for listening. Um, we will see you Saturday night. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you, everybody, again. Good night, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Ben Boyshek. God bless you, sir. God bless you. We have missed you, Ben Boyshek. We have missed you very, very much. Very, very much. Hundred percent. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Excuse me, very much. We hope to see you a lot more. God bless you, sir. Thanks. Good night, everybody. Take care, guys.